Mm, so, <laughs> work in progress. Let's start with what is it? It's first and foremost an idea, a way of looking at the development that people might be looking for. It's very much driven by this idea that we can look at ourselves as knowing and being a lot and being able to do a lot and we can compare what we know today and what we are able to do today to what we were able to do and knew five years ago and probably would say hey we've made good progress and we can be proud and we can say hey, i know so many things and i'm able to do so many things that's brilliant uh, we can also take another perspective which is to say how does what I know and I'm able to do compare to what I don't know and what I'm unable to do? And then we probably realize that what we know and what we're able to do is not much more than a drop in the ocean. <laughs> Hence, why not develop this idea of saying, hmm, what would the world look like if I was to adopt that notion of I am work in progress? as opposed to, I've arrived here, yeah. I've done that, I've accomplished this. So I think that's, the, that's my, my way of describing work in progress. What, when you think, let's apply it to you for a minute, because I'm really interested in your, apps, your emotional response to it mm. as somebody who is at a stage in your life where you may want to be making transitions. What does it, when you think of being work in progress yourself, what does that allow for you? Um, it opens my eyes and my ears and opens my curiosity to mm. what could be, as opposed mm. to focusing on what is. And that curiosity... Well, we might say curiosity killed the cat. Okay, yeah. Um, but let's look at the, the positive version of curiosity. Asking one more question. Asking different questions. Uh, not necessarily being satisfied with what the cookbook says. Mm. And, and I find that that's something that's interesting to me. Can you give me a concrete example of something in your life that this could apply to, something that you've been thinking about or whatever that this help is helpful with? Um, well, there are probably a number of examples. One I could pick is about three years ago, um, a conversation started with some of my partners at the time, some of my business partners at the time, to discuss where are we going to take our company. And we had options to enter into partnerships with other companies. And I was convinced that one particular option would be really useful and really interesting. And I, I realized that I asked myself those questions. 
what would make that interesting. And I realized how that was a, a feeling of being excited about these, these options that suddenly show up and being able to create something, something new. And I also realized that when I had this conversation and I introduced the idea to my business partners and some of them seemed to be very interested and others seemed to be on a rather, you know, fast lane to saying no to this idea, how I was, how that hurt me emotionally, not, not just, you know, the facts or the possibilities, but how I was disappointed. Not sure whether that was disappointed because of my inability to make this sound attractive and compelling or disappointed because of their reaction. And I realized that I then had to compare my curiosity and my excitement around that idea to the question, do I want to stay together with these partners if they don't allow me to do what I want to do? And suddenly I had these two things pitched against one another. This notion of if I want to stay true to this partnership with these other people, it will likely stop me from doing what I'd really like to do. Or else if I gave up on that notion of that partnership, it would give me the opportunity of doing what I want to do. So other people probably turn that into a, a play or a book or a, a movie, but it was one of those moments where I realized suddenly two things are pitched against one another and you probably can't have the cake and eat it. So I had to decide what I want to do. And what did that require? What did you have to call on in order to make those decisions? Um, but I guess I first had to know, do I really think that this new idea is good enough and strong enough and has got enough potential upside for me to say, I'm going to take that risk. I'm, I'm, I see that, you know, I see that light on the hill and I realize that to get there, there is a, a bit of a valley to go through before I get to that light on, on, on that hill. And so it took conviction that this really is the, the thing that I'm, I'm looking for. Um, it took courage to say, am I really willing to make those choices? I think it took clarity of thinking. Clarity in the sense that is my idea of what this could be driven by a towards motivation? Is this something that I genuinely want? Mm -hmm. And to what extent is it driven by an away from motivation? I'm so disappointed by the reaction of my business partners. I spoke about the emotions connected with that. So I felt that mm, uh, maybe because I'm disappointed, let me do something that gets me away from them. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, hmm, maybe that isn't the best way of devising this new opportunity. It would have, I realized it would have to be driven by 
a towards motivation much more than an away from motivation. And that's where I say that clarity of, of thinking was, was required. Um, clarity also to, to realize the, the emotions and not be carried away by the emotions. Because mm. you, you talked about conviction being one of the first things that was required in order to be able to take action after this realization. And I was just reflecting, sometimes we don't know how to get the conviction we need in order to take an action. And I'm wondering whether there was some feeling, some emotion. What is it that you rely on that helps you get the conviction you need to take action? It was a gut feeling. And um, if we take that, that thinking around, you know, the gut somewhere deep in the body, mm. so it was something deep-seated. Uh, it was maybe intuition uh, mm -hmm. thoughts um, and it wasn't necessarily the 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 pure technical quality of the opportunity that would be expressed in you know cfo language as net present value or discounted cash flow or what have you it was more a question of which are the relationships that are going to be conducive to to what I want to achieve and which are the relationships that are going to be conducive to my development that I believe is possible? Okay. Am I convinced that this is possible? Yes, I was. Um, do, do I want to follow that intuition at the cost of breaking away from relationships that have been established and developed over a, a pretty long period. And I realized there was one moment in time in a conversation with one of those business partners who was negative about this idea. And I told him a story from my, my youth when, when I, when I moved from school to university, I found a new group of friends at university in, in addition to the group of friends I had at home. And I realized that this new group of friends at university opened up perspectives for me that the other group of friends at home had never offered. And I likened the situation, this business decision I was going to make with that situation that I made as a, as a young man entering university. And I said, I, I separated from this old group of friends because that new group of friends was offering me more opportunities. It was more exciting. It, it opened a new horizon. And he looked at me and said, okay, so that means that you've done this before. And I say, yes, I've done this before. And I can do it. And in hindsight, that was the moment that it became clear to me that this is a done deal. There is a separation from this group of business partners that I had worked with for 10 years because what I wanted to do, that new horizon that was opening up, was more important to me than sticking with those friends and, and colleagues and business partners. Three years later, I have to say it was pretty much the right choice. Yeah. But that you went back 
to a moment in your life where there'd been a big change and that that helped you know and therefore have the conviction and be able to trust yourself to make the, the leap that you, that you wanted because you had that awareness that actually you've done that before. And at that point, it was also for the same reason to move forward to a new horizon that you were going towards something with excitement and curiosity. And it, that I'm fascinated by the link and mm. the confidence that that realization gave you. Because quite often we don't look back to, you know, we think, what am right. I going to do now? This is right. where I am. Right. How do we use and leverage those experiences from way back in our lives to help mm. us at this point? And, and there was actually another example of a, a similar situation. Um, three years into, four years into my, my professional career, I worked in a, in a consultancy and I was one of the sort of young up and coming future high potential people in this consultancy. And, um, I was part of a group of about four or five who were looked at, you know, being partner material, if we want to use that word. And I, before they even asked me whether I'd be interested in this, I asked myself that question. I said, would I want to be, if they asked me, what would my answer be? And there were five partners in the business at the time. And I realized that there was one of the five. When I looked at, at him, I'd say pretty, pretty unconditionally, yes, I would like to be a partner with him in this business. And for the other four, I thought, no. That doesn't excite me. Not really interested. Four weeks later, the phone rings and there is a headhunter on the phone um, talking about a, a brilliant opportunity elsewhere. And the fact that I had had this conversation with myself before made me ready for this conversation. And eventually I went through all the interviews. They offered me the job. I took the job. And I never look back. So there's a, a second, a second example of leaving something established that works behind in exchange for something that hasn't been established, that looks good, where there's sort of no guarantee that it, it will work, but a, a reasonable opportunity and chance of making this work and my feeling that I think I know what it takes to make this work. Mm -hmm. And then throw in a little bit of curiosity and a little bit of goodwill and good faith and then you know, things work. Yeah. And also each time you've shared, shared these stories, you have used the word excitement and linked it to sort of curiosity. And that, that, that's interesting to me because when you talk about the gut feeling uh, that you can't quite express what that is, but you keep using this word excitement. So I'm wondering if the spark that sits underneath all the sort of analytical of, yes, this, this will work. I can think I can do this. I can see how this will work. That gut instinct, is there something around a feeling of excitement that helps propel you into making a brave decision? 
the, the short reaction to this is yes. Yeah. Spot on. I think it's a moment that is sometimes described by people saying, I'm looking for a new challenge. I'm looking for a different environment. Uh, but it's really about this notion of looking for a new challenge, which essentially says, I don't feel challenged anymore in the environment where I am. Another way of expressing that would probably be, to be completely honest, my learning curve has flattened out. I go through the motions, not necessarily with emotions. And I've learned this morning in, in, in my previous session that we briefly spoke about, this was reminded of this beautiful uh, word that says uh, emotion really means energy in motion. Mm. And this idea of there's something happening, there's, there's learning involved, I can grow mm. because of the things I do and because of the willingness to say, what's the opportunity in this? as opposed to being overly focused on the risks. And I'm, I'm certainly not a daredevil person. Yes. My, my dad worked in the insurance industry, so clearly not a daredevil. However, very much focused on opportunity. Yeah. I want to see the risk. I want to understand the risks. And then and I'm willing to take them. You put that beautifully, emotion being energy in motion. Without that, it seems that exercises or actions moving forward potentially would lack the energy to carry them to fruition. So having that emotion, whatever it is, whether it's excitement or that feeling as a touchstone of this is going to help me be brave enough to have the conviction to move forward with this action because I can. there's something I can feel. And mm -hmm. without that, it's much more difficult. Because without that, there's not so much energy moving to move you forward. This is mm. this is what I'm hearing. Right, right, right. So uh, the, if this notion of, of of learning and and growth and development is connected there, it is connected because it 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 doesn't cost me energy; it gives me energy. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, and yeah. and this um. In the session this morning, um, my friend gave us a quote by a, a French uh, scientist that that basically trans roughly translates into our emotions know what we need and our brain and our mind helps us to, to find a way to get there. That's brilliant. So how would that apply to work in progress, to what you might be doing with people under this program? How would that statement relate to the work? Well, I suspect the, the starting point is to really focus on what people need, what people feel or think or notice that they need. Because some people feel that, some people think about it. And some, you know, there are different ways of processing that, but it's really 
the first step would be to properly establish what the needs of a person are, not just from a factual perspective. I mean, people might say, I need a certain job title. Uh, they might say, I need to work in a certain industry because that's why my, where my experience is. I need to work in a certain region because that's where my family is. I need a certain you know, financial package because that caters to my and my family's needs, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that, that's all. We all need to recognize that that's important. We, we can't just say, look, this is all these frugal things. For, don't bother me with those. No, they're important. We also know that if we work in a space and we work in pursuit of goals that we don't connect with emotionally, it'll be much more difficult. Mm. It'll be much more demanding. It may come at a cost. Mm -hmm. So the more we can align those sort of more, more, more basic material needs with emotional needs, and this could be working with people that I enjoy working with, that could be put as simple as saying, in my team, we really support one another. We speak with one another as opposed to about one another. And, and simple doesn't mean it's easy. Simple can be very hard. Simple things like we really trust one another in that space that we operate in. My experience suggests that too many people work in environments where they wouldn't say we trust one another. And, and that then comes, it creates a burden. There's an emotional cost to getting stuff done that may not be seen on anyone's balance sheet. It may not be visible using the KPIs that the CFO will provide, whether that's the, the CFO of the firm that you work in, or it's your, you know, the CFO on your inner team that sits there and says, always pay attention to the fact that you need to earn money and certain amount of money and whatever those material needs might be. We aren't carried away by that and say, you know, let's put these emotions somewhere into the closet and don't pay attention. The risks are just too high that they, that will come and haunt you. My, my work suggests that there are people who realize that and who start to make some wise choices around finding a better alignment between their factual or material needs and their emotional needs. When you talk about emotional needs linked to this work, and for you, you you've been talking about, you know, having curiosity and the excitement that you feel at the possibility of new horizons and no one being disappointed or having your energy dampened when, when people don't support that moving forward. Do you think that that is that that excitement and curiosity is specific to your needs, or do you have a suspicion that that is vital for everybody going through transition? It isn't just important for me. I wouldn't be surprised to to hear most people that I'm, I I may work with if I could go back to them and say look um, I've got this idea of you know curiosity is is going to be important and the emotional connection to what we do is going to be important do you agree I would imagine that most people would say oh yes of course <laughs> yeah absolutely it it may be something that that doesn't necessarily get the 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 recognition it deserves because I would imagine that there are there are there are too many too many people out there who 
who aren't willing to recognize the importance of emotions, who may not have the courage to say, oh, by the way, but there are a number of things that are important to me that you typically don't find on a, on a, on a, on a balance sheet of a, of a company. Mm. And let's talk about them. It may be because we may be sort of overly focused on uh, meeting strategic objectives and financial objectives. And that may be because of the uh, stakeholder environment that we work in. And that may all be, perhaps it can all be easily explained why that is. And I've seen people who say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this for the next five years and I'm, then I'm going to bugger off and do something else. And then I'll give those emotions the space that, that they deserve. I've also seen people who, after buggering off, said, to be honest, I should have done that earlier. What, one thing that amazes me is how people seem to be sort of giving themselves permission to say the, the balance between what I do and how I feel about it doesn't have to be in the present. I can say even, well, today I'm going to focus on on what I'm going to do and let me worry about the emotions in five years. And in 10 years from now, everything will have been balanced out. Or maybe that works. I'm not here to say it doesn't, but I'm just wondering what it would look like if people said, mm, let's not create that balance on a 10-year rolling average, but create it every month. Or yeah. maybe every quarter. We know I'm that really sometimes we by that through, quote. Yeah, we know that sometimes we go through difficult phases, and we may have very intense phases of work. And we say, okay, this quarter is going to be difficult. And once we get there, we'll you know we'll see the light, and things will will change. And and they do, and and that's fine. Um, so we shouldn't over 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 overly focus on that, but also we shouldn't forget about it. And my sense is there are more people who forget about that balance than there are people who overly focus on that balance. Mm. Um, and, and that will be another, I think, another set of questions in, in this sort of whole work in progress idea. What, what does that look like for you? And are you happy with that? And what will be the nudges that would improve that balance? And in, if, if it's baby steps, that's fine. As long as there is some recognition and improvement, that's that's good enough. But, I mean, the, the quote I've just come back to about the energy and emotion being energy in motion, I had this idea that, you know, it's, it's like the petrol in a car. I mean, you, you might have a Lamborghini, but without the petrol for the energy, you're not going anywhere. It's, <laughs> I mean... Because when you said, you know, that some people don't want or maybe haven't thought too much about emotion because we have the idea that it's a sort of touchy-feely thing and it's not so important. But when you talk about it as you did in terms of being the energy that one needs to carry forwards, you see how it becomes a sort of one of the most important things you can consider. Absolutely. And, and the funny thing is, sometimes I work with, with engineers and there may be German or Swiss engineers who are proud of their, you know, the quality of work they do and so forth. And I discovered that you can speak with these people about emotions very easily if you give good examples that they can relate to. And I have yet to meet the engineer who isn't proud of their work. Is being proud an emotion? Yes, of course. Even those people that have jobs and education that are less emotional than 
actors or writers or marketers, they have very strong emotions because mm. they're, they're human beings as well. Mm. They may have different emotions than other people, or they may show the emotions they have differently, or some emotions may be very important for them that are less important for other people, and other people have emotions that are more important for them than mm. those engineers. But everyone's got these emotions. Mm. And we can access them. And every time you see that you speak with scientists or engineers about how they're proud of their work, there are a few things that happen there. You, you, they, they smile. They sit up straight. Um, they're, you know, they're, they have a different posture. They have a different presence. We all know that when we look at communications, What's the percentage of the importance of words and communications? Less than 10%. And all the rest mm. is nonverbal. So they've got these nonverbal ways of communicating how they're proud. And that is how they communicate emotions. And then obviously there are other emotions. Scientists can be mothers and fathers too. And then you can access easily access emotions around that. And sometimes it's just that difference. I once had this 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 experience um, in, in a leadership development program there was an engineer and he was you know very serious very focused very clear and his posture and his language and everything underpinned that and then between the program and dinner i overheard a conversation he had on on the phone on the terrace he was a completely different person not just what they said, but how they communicated. And I asked him, well, just out of curiosity, was that, you know, one of your children you spoke with? And he said, yeah, yes, of course. And I said, look, um, if you don't mind, you sound so differently compared to how you sounded like in this, in this meeting room half an hour ago. What, what happened if you showed that quality, that voice and everything that goes with it in the meeting? He didn't have a reply to that. And I never expected him to have a reply to that. It got him thinking. And the next day, he made an experiment. He changed the way he spoke. And he became more impactful immediately. Mm. We didn't have to talk about that after that. It's just, uh, you know, we we looked at each other, smiled at each other. That was good enough. Yeah. No need to. But it's just these these simple things that if we allow ourselves to ask what's possible, we access possibilities. We access opportunities we access a space that can give us experiments and we all know that the result of a, of a good experiment is we learn something and and we can shift the way how we do things as a result of that learning and then it's useful if we don't shift the way how we do things well maybe it isn't useful but if we're willing to learn from an experiment maybe even conduct those experiments on purpose so that we can learn on purpose it, it opens up a space of possibility and opportunity and I guess that's the whole point.